T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Eye on the Community. I'm Vicki Pepper. February is Black History Month, and every year since 1976, every American president has designated a theme for the month. This year's theme is Celebrating Black Resistance. On the line to tell us more is diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism expert Kim Crowder. Thank you for joining me. Hi, great. Thanks for having me. Kim, I want to start with, it's 2023. Why is it still necessary to have a month designated as Black History Month? Shouldn't Black history be incorporated into history lessons year-round at this point? Yeah, it's an ideal. Yes, it absolutely should, and it should have been a long time ago. But what we have seen, what I have seen certainly, is the continuous pushback around learning not only Black history, but history as it truly was, right? So creating space so that history is not necessarily whitewashed in a way that only benefits white people in this country. And so really building a lens of history in two ways. One, so that we see the through lines. How does that impact today, right? Those things that were government sanctioned, those things that have happened that have been very much so uh, genocidal, very much so inequitable, and have been connected to law, right? That everyone should understand those stories, but also that even white people should understand their own history as it is attached to those things that have so much shame as a, a part of the, you know, the American state. It is all the fabric of this country. And then I'm going to add one more thing. It's also important that those of us from historically ignored backgrounds understand the contributions of Black people in this country. You know, when we look at the civil rights movement and how so many different groups have gained rights, it is because, specifically because of the civil rights movement. And without that information, then there creates that division that doesn't need to exist. That, that, you know, many of us have this benefit and we don't know where it comes from. And so all of those are reasons why in your stating, yes, that Black history should indeed be a part of the continuous fabric and the continuous conversation when we, anytime we're going to talk about the United States of America. But unfortunately, that has not been the case. What are some local ways that we can celebrate and honor Black History Month? You know, that is a great question. Plenty of places have Black History events and programming, but I want to talk about ways that this can actually happen that will be systemic and move the dial forward. That first part is voting. The ways that we are willing to vote, the ways that sometimes folks vote against their own self-interest about what would be best for them and their families, because it is tied to this idea that it is more beneficial to a race that is not theirs. 
And so that first thing, because Black history to me spans beyond the shortest month of the year. And so if that is the case, then that is one of the ways is pushing up against government officials. When you see things that are happening that are inequitable, are you writing letters? Are you making those calls? Are you galvanizing and using your relationships in the community to move things forward and then the voting? So that's one. The second thing I would say is to look for ways to put money into those communities. So actively, how are you spending your money? Are you on purpose sourcing, looking for vendors, looking for businesses to buy from and to support that are specifically tied to Black communities or that are, you know, uh, minority business owners, Black women who are business owners, that sort of thing. So thinking about it that way, that third part is the education piece. Educate yourself about history is one, but about also what are the current issues that Black folks are facing today? We look at police brutality, that is a major one, but also in the workplace, right? A lot of the work that we do is particularly with leaders and executives, and I'd like to frame the work that we do as leadership and executive work, and less so this uh, language of DEI because so many people sort of put it aside when we say it that way. This work is actually leadership work and, and it is executive leadership work. And so as we think about that, to help people remember that all of this is a framework for why workplaces operate the way that they do. When we look at the layoffs in particular, and we look at organizations and the demographics racially, what we're finding is that even though racialized folks typically make up a smaller percentage of those workplaces, they are having higher rates of being laid off right now. And all of it, that should alarm all of us. That's why is that happening? And the issue with that is, is that how does that impact generations to come? How do we start reframing the idea of legacy uh, so that our children can grow up in a better world than we did? How can workplaces honor Black History Month? Yeah, there's a, a numerous ways. The, the biggest way to do that is to make sure that throughout the year, right, that one, that your Black employees are centered in conversations around their workplace experiences. We have worked with organizations. We do what is called a workplace culture and health assessment with workplaces. It is massive. We are digging into qualitative and quantitative data, learning about organizations front and back, and then bringing that information forward so we can come up with solutions. And one of the things that we found in a workplace in particular is when we looked at retention and turnover rates, that retention rate for Black employees was extremely low, so much so that the turnover rate was 101% per year. So for every Black person, they were hiring more than that one person was leaving the organization year over year. And we looked at that across the board for folks of all different backgrounds and saw that what we found was that they were losing $9 million a year, and we consider that a conservative amount, and losing that money because people were leaving the organization. But when we looked at the percentage of what was causing that amount, we found that 56% of that was dedicated to those folks who had racialized backgrounds, even though they only made up 44% of that group that was leaving the organization. So that is one of the biggest things that, that workplaces can do is, is to understand the experience and the life cycle of their employees of color. Also, I would say to, as you are celebrating and looking for things to do for Black History Month, many organizations, the first thing that they do is they hire, bring on a facilitator or a speaker, pay them, pay them well, 
we know that February is coming up every year. Budget accordingly. Budget at least 10000 That is what you would pay any other speaker to come in. And the expertise that's being brought in is mostly from lived experience, right? Usually they're looking for a Black person. So not only do they have the business savvy, they have lived experiences for this work, but also they know that challenging questions may come up, that there may be challenging conversations that may happen. And so, you know, pay them accordingly. And in looking to make sure they pay accordingly, make sure you ask them in a time frame that makes sense. So two weeks to when you want them to speak, you know February is coming. Plan, plan, plan for that. That's another way that organizations can really honor Black folks. And then also look at pay equity. Pay, pay equity is a big one in workplaces and promotions. Who's being promoted in the organization? Who's being mentored? Who has access to projects that can move them forward? And then also, are they being paid equitably for their work? Are they being paid in ways that when you look across the board, that based on their skill set and their background, around, you know, professional backgrounds, are they being paid in a way that is equitable for the work that they're doing on a day-to-day basis? And how can families educate their children on the importance of Black History Month? What I love now is that the world is so different than when I grew up. And so access when I was a kid to even dolls that looked like me or television shows and cartoons was so different than my skin tone. I cannot really remember growing up and having a Dr. McStuffins, for instance, as part of the options that I had as a child to be able to watch television. And so now we have so much access, not just TV, network TV, but we also have access on the internet. There are so many new books that are available. Student Yongo now has a series, of not, if I'm not mistaken, of books uh, that show dark-skinned, deep-toned Black kids. Um, because even colorism has been a part of the ways that we've sort of not chosen to learn about race in this country, but also to learn of the contributions that Black people have had to this country. So much of the perspective around what we learn in schools about Black people, about how Black people have operated in the United States is so centered in trauma. It is centered in slavery, for instance. And while that is indeed a part of it, it is not all of it. And the benefit to tell that full story is now we, we have access, we all do, for what's possible. Imagine, you know, now we have a world where kids expect a president, a Black president, and expect a woman vice president who is not only Black, but she is a woman of multiple racial backgrounds and identities. And so, now our kids have a real look at, wow, this is what is possible in the world. This is really, that it should be exciting to all of us. And so my thoughts about expanding the ways that we learn is the information is everywhere. It takes nothing more than a visit to your local library, to a Google search, to, you know, getting on in just about any platform and finding that information. One last thing I would say, podcasts are a great way to learn about history. Usually audiobooks from your library are available if you download an app. And right now the 1619 Project has a docu-series available on Hulu, which is absolutely stunning. It is just as good as the actual podcast. It is as good as the book. And I absolutely love it because now you get a visual and you get to hear how this is interwoven into our society. And you hear from people 
today with those lived experiences that tie it all together. How does the suppression of Black History Month in schools impact the self-worth and dignity of Black learners? You know what's interesting about that? I think it it impacts the self-worth and dignity of all of us, but we don't talk about it in that way. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. The first part is when you talk about Black learners in particular, I think I've said it over and over, one of the things is not being able to see ourselves. There's so much power in seeing someone who looks like you, who is doing what you want want to do or doing anything close to what you aspire to do, because it feels really tangible then. You know, white people have had the benefit of seeing that over and over, not necessarily because there have not been Black folks that have existed that have done it, but also because that is the narrative that we have created, right? It's very much so a belief system around who can do what. And then I would say the second part of that is this assumption that white people are not impacted by not having access to black history. And the reason why that is untrue is because what we're finding today when we look at statistics around white people and who have the highest rate of being the actual aggressors in mass shootings, those tend to be white men. We just had one recently and we have one almost every day, almost every day in this country. It's unreal. Um, And then when we look at things like the suicide rate for men, white men lead that, lead the suicide rate. White men have a high rate of alcoholism. And the reason I bring this up in that way is, one, we don't codify the major issues that are happening in white culture and white communities as a problem. We don't see it as an epidemic, as an issue with that group. But we're so easy to point out, oh, that, you know, that is indicative to black people, that sort of crime or that sort of issue is indicative to black people, but we don't talk about it in that way. And so these things become a silent killer to white folks, right, where they themselves are protecting the very things that are being barriers or deadly in their own communities. And so that is why I say it is extremely important that we all are learning and understanding how history has impacted all of us. Because at the end of the day, whether we'd like to believe it or not, it is indeed still very much so a pathway that if we are willing to walk together, we all benefit from. Over the past several years, we've seen sort of a, a second wave of the civil rights movement. What do you think the history books will say about this period of time? You know, I don't know. I I think that's still being written. You know, we sort of are waking up every day to egregious acts of suppressing not only Black history, but anyone who is not white being able to experience the world in ways that are ignorant of other groups. And here's what I'm not saying. I am not calling anyone ignorant. I'm saying that that the the fight to keep some of the legislation or pushing some of the legislation forward is a fight so that ignorance continues to be a leading dominant way that we make decisions. And unfortunately, the ways that those, and not only ignorant, but discriminatory, they really are discriminatory. When we think about what is happening in Florida, And even in Texas, in some of the languages around diversity, equity, inclusion in the workplace, around learning about Black people, around what's happening to young folks who are trans, around what's happening to women 
all of that is wrapped up in rights. And we cannot separate understanding rights in this country from Black people. It cannot be separated. It is one and the same. And many rights in this country, as I mentioned prior, have been won by civil rights movements, by movements with Black folks. And so the more that we understand history and we see the ways that these move forward, what were the tactics used? How did solidarity across race play a role in this? The more that we educate ourselves in that way, the more we have what we need in order to build upon what our ancestors have already done. I've been speaking with diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism expert Kim Crowder. Any last thoughts for us? Yeah, I would say this. As we are considering what Black history means to all of us, I think it's important for us to think about why Black history has been so suppressed in the United States and question why we have been comfortable with that and then go, okay, based on that, what am I willing to do differently so that for those of us who want to move this forward, that we are actively doing it? What are the conversations that I need to be having for those who may believe it, but who are not, uh, don't feel equipped to act or who are afraid to do so? And as people are looking to gain language and gain action on how to be better allies or co-conspirators, my recommendation is that as we are thinking about what that looks like, that we are open to learning across the board the ways that we may have areas that we don't understand so that we are open and understand what other folks need so that in turn, we can then be an advocate for people across the board. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you for challenging us and happy Black History Month. Thank you. Thanks for having me. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.